This is the Mandalorian spinoff of my Disney Plus show. I'm so excited because Mandalorian season two is about to come back. And so I'm dropping one of these every week until the premiere of the new season. And then and we're going to continue doing it. It's just like right now we're recapping. But then once we move forward, we're going to be talking about the stuff that's happening week by week. So I'm so excited. So I guess this is week three of 16. And I, I hope that you guys are starting to get on board. And uh, I've heard some feedback on format and stuff like that. And I'm kind of making some tweaks to the show. But I hope it's fun. So uh, we are now on to chapter three of The Mandalorian, and the episode is called The Sin. So episode three, or I guess chapter three, The Sin is directed by Deborah Chow, who we're going to talk about some for sure, written by Jon Favreau, uh, as, as well as all the other episodes are. Again, I have to make the joke that it's not the guy from from Pod Saves America. It's, it's the Iron Man guy. And this episode originally dropped uh, just a little bit over a year ago on November 22nd, 2019. A simpler time, to say the least. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in this episode. I think Deborah Chow just absolutely knocked it out of the park from a direction perspective. You know, this is almost two episodes in one. There's this very um, somber, reflective episode where we get a lot of character growth in and we see the stakes for Mando and what what it is that uh, he's thinking about internally in a way that we hadn't up until this point. And then the second half of the episode is... Uh, like an 80s action movie it, it reminds me of predator it reminds me of alien uh it, yeah it's just so big and cool and i love it so let's get into it so i think the major themes uh, you know every one of these episodes we're going to talk about themes of the episode i think the two major themes of chapter three the sin are penance and trauma so i want to talk about these two themes because I think they really shape the entire episode. I think more than maybe any other episode in this entire series, this episode is about Mando. It's about Din. It is not really about anybody else. You know, Baby Yoda does go through a trauma, which is one of the themes of the episode, but we don't really see how it impacts him. We don't really see his side of the story. You know, this is really, truly about Mando. And the first episode, I think you could argue, was sort of about, I think I think we talked about how it's about controlling your own destiny and who you are and who you're meant to be. And I think in the first episode, we got a glimpse at what the show would be like if it weren't for Baby Yoda. And then the second chapter is quite a bit about the child. It's quite a bit Baby Yoda, and, and we see the two of them as a duo. And then this is an interesting third piece, I think, because now we get to see the inversion of the first episode. We saw what Din was like without 
Baby Yoda. Then we saw him with Baby Yoda. And now we're seeing him without Baby Yoda again. But we see that he's changed. He's already changed permanently because of their friendship and their partnership and the bond that they share. So the big thing I want to talk about here with this episode is penance. Because I think this is a very religious episode. And I don't mean to say like, Baby Yoda's a Christ figure or something like that. But what I do mean to say is I think that this is a very dogmatic episode and this is very very deliberately titled the sin sin is one of the most charged words i can think of when you're trying to describe how good or bad something is because sin immediately conjures this idea that there is a god or gods judging you for what you did if it were like uh the mistake or or something along those lines the the screw up (laughs) Uh, the grievance even, uh, the, the trespass. There are so many ways you can say it that are less dogmatic and less religiously charged, spiritually charged than sin. And what this tells us is that there is some sort of God or author or higher being in this story, which, you know, we do know because of the force that there's a spirit, that's, that's there's a connection, something in the galaxy that is larger than these players. That is deeming this to be a bad move. This is wrong. Mando has has created a bond with this child who saved his life, and now he is going to turn him in for Beskar. He's going to turn him in so that he can have better armor and that he can help the Mandalorian tribe. But he has he has made this decision, and we are told before it even happens that it's a sin, and this sin is accompanied by so many other religious symbols. It's accompanied by a baptism. And I want to talk about this scene where they forge the armor and how ritualistic it is. And we have Din meditating. We have Din essentially praying. And he is reflecting on his youth and how he was rescued by the Mandalorians, and how he is attempting to justify the sacrifice he made so that other children won't, won't be hurt. And as this baptism by fire is happening, this this ability, this when he when he when the baptism is over, he is gifted this armor that makes him look like a paladin. He is he is a shining symbol of good. He is literally a knight in shining armor. This is this chrome armor, and it is, it's so deliberate and clear that it's this pristine, clean armor. He has been baptized, and as he emerges pure, he recognizes that he has to undo the evil. He ha- has to, he has to make penance. He has to undo the sin because he is now pure and clean, and he's a changed man. And because of that he is ready to let go of his wicked ways. Now, we'll talk about the fact that he has not totally changed when we talk about the body count here in a little bit. But I want to be clear that I do believe these symbols are totally deliberate, that this is supposed to show us this is who he was. These first three episodes are showing us the man he was, what he could have been, and we are now seeing this moment where he accepts a higher power, which in this case is love and family. He denounces evil which is the empire and really the bounty hunting profession and is baptized by fire and forged anew and emerges this pure angelic figure. And then the first thing he does, I mean, he is sort of an angel of death, but the first thing he does is he goes and he 
redeems himself and he saves the child and he spares the doctor's life. He kills a lot of droids and he kills a lot of stormtroopers, but I think that's important. And so the other thing I want to talk about is trauma. And I think that this is very important because in addition to having this kind of heady religious interpretation of this episode, I also think there's this very grounded psychoanalytic view that you can have for this episode, which is that Din's trauma shapes him so profoundly that he's borderline pathological. You can almost predict to a T what Din is going to do because his his priorities are set up as a reflection to the trauma he survived as a child. He should have died. He watched his mom and dad die, you know, through a little hole in this door. He watched his whole world as he knew it blown up and destroyed by droids. Now he's bigoted against droids. And he was rescued by a Mandalorian. And when he meditates, this haunts him. He can't help but think about it. It fuels every single thing he does. This trauma fuels everything he does. And when he sees the child laid out on that table, it's traumatic to him and it's triggering. And 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 I think we are supposed to believe to some degree, I don't know that they would come out and use these words, that Din has PTSD. I mean, he is having these flashbacks that are triggered by these specific moments. And I got to tell you, as someone who has PTSD, the moment where he sees the sweet, sweet little baby Yoda on that table, I, I find that moment so disturbing and, and it, it hurts to watch. And I think there's just some incredible acting from Pedro Pascal in that moment. And I, I, I think that the trauma of, of what, what Din has been through shapes him in such a major way that he he weaves that in with the sense of right and wrong and justice and so for him penance and trauma are bonded together and he just can't help avoid it and so i think those are the two main themes of of this particular episode and i think specifically that title the sin tells us how important penance is in this particular story so the next thing I want to talk about is Mando's body count. You know, we talked about how this is a very flawed hero. This is a very morally gray protagonist, which I think is one of the coolest things about this show. I mean, we talk about like Tony Soprano and 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 Don Draper, Walter White being morally gray characters, but we're talking about a character whose body count after this episode is 48 people dead in three episodes. Now, of course, it's Star Wars. You know, maybe somebody got blasted in the chest and woke up an hour later, but these I'm talking I'm counting shots to kill against uh sentient beings he kills 14 stormtroopers in this episode 14 and he kills 10 bounty hunters and it's just incredible watching it happen is so cool i again i, I love this motif of watching violence play across the child's face the flamethrower and I, I it is it's intense i mean mando is to be feared it, it is a very interesting element of this story that the guy we're rooting for is a borderline serial killer. I mean, he he just has no regard for human life unless it's within proximity of his own, and I guess I shouldn't say human life, but of, of sentient life. And I think that if you want to really take a deeper look at this show, I mean, like, yeah, you can have the really fun popcorn version of it, and it's great, but I, I think that if you take the deeper approach on this show and think about how his trauma has shaped him and what how broken he is, it, it, it makes the show even better for me personally. If you, you kind of really accept, yeah, he's not a hero. Like if your kid goes as him for Halloween, it's, <laughs> that's kind of dark, you know? <laughs> so I want to talk about some of my favorite parts of the episode. And I think that a big one 
is the silver ball. I think this is one of the most iconic images and moments from this show. And so I, I do want to dwell on this a, a little bit. So this is a, a really great framing device because we we use this ball at, at three important points of the story. We have this at the intro of the story. We have this at like the climax of the story, the peak of conflict. And then we also have it in the denouement, like in the, in the closing action of the episode. And so I think it's really brilliant writing to have this silver ball almost like a bullet point for these three very important moments of the episode. So what we get is at the very beginning, we have LBY and, and Mando in the cockpit and LBY starts messing with this ball and Mando says, it's not a toy, which is one of my best, I think one of the best quotes to, uh, to jump ahead to a different segment. <laughs> and then later on, seeing the ball is the, the thing that makes Mando realize that what he's done is a sin. You know, again, I mean, this episode is so much about, about dogma, about penance. And he look at, he, he, it's this visual reminder of the way in which baby Yoda has physically changed his world. You know, up until this point, it's been, he's almost been a, a cute little nuisance in a lot of ways, but by, by seeing the way that his ship was physically changed by having this part removed, it causes him to realize this child has impacted his life in in many ways on many levels. And so then at the end, the the great payoff is Mando giving little baby Yoda the silver ball and him being happy with it. And you can practically see the smile under Mando's helmet. You can almost see it. I mean, I, I, I'll go on and on about how great a, an actor Pedro Pascal is that he can use the physicality the way he does without his face just absolutely incredible uh i i think also if you're talking about favorite parts you've got to talk about the incredible stalking scene where he takes out i think 14 stormtroopers if i counted right his i mean like it's just crazy and you know he he uses the flamethrower as always there's just really great camera angles in here this is where i think deborah chow just absolutely thrives is in the way that she sees and stages action and violence and I love the flashlights on the blasters of the stormtroopers. As far as I know, that's the first time we've seen that in Star Wars canon, but it makes a lot of sense that they'd have to use flashlights in certain situations. And then, of course, the the, the payoff of the whistling bird. You had Chekhov's whistling bird, you know. Uh, if you give a bounty hunter a whistling bird in the first act, it, it better go off by the end. So I, I really love all of that. And then, of course, just the shootout at the end. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. And I, I would go so far as to say it's it's an all-time Star Wars moment on the ground. It's it's just so wonderful. And, uh, you know, all those Mandalorians fighting with jetpacks, it's just, it's cool. I don't have anything interesting to say about it, but it's, it's just very cool. And then I, I do think that that moment where little baby Yoda is looking up at Mando and there's blaster fire and then a Mandalorian lands, the way that it mirrors Mando's trauma is just absolutely beautiful. And I love that. All right, let's move on to best quotes. I can get you more credits. I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. So I already said, Din saying to Yoda, uh, it's not a toy. It's just, you know, great moment. Uh, as a parent, I can very much relate to that. Those scissors aren't a toy. Also, why do you have scissors? Where did they come from? Uh, <laughs> I also love this exchange between Mando and Grief Karga. Uh, Mando says... How do I know I can trust you? And Grief Karga says, because I'm your only hope. And this is so deliberate. The writing here is very clear. 
that this is a callback to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Princess Leia and, and uh, you know, A New Hope. And I think this is one of these moments where the, the series does an exceptional job of juggling the weight of Star Wars past and still focusing on the future. And so I think what this moment does cause you to stop and think about is, okay, in what way does Grief Karga mirror, you know, what what are we supposed to take from this, right? And if you think about the original, you know, in, in A New Hope, it's Princess Leia saying, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And so I guess in this instance, Mando is Princess Leia, and Grief Karga is theoretically Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I think that maybe what we're supposed to take from this is is that much like Leia didn't necessarily specifically need uh, Obi-Wan's help. She actually kind of needed a team f- that was comprised of people featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi. We will eventually see Grief Karga team up with IG-11 and Cara Dune. And I do think that that's worth noting. I think there is an interesting parallel between that, uh, you know, the teams forming up in episode four and then in this. Uh, and then, of course, cheesy line, but you just got to absolutely love, I have to get one of those when the jetpacks are flying by. And then we get, you know, later on in the season, we get an awesome payoff with jetpacks. All right, we're going to wrap this up with winners and losers. I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> So I try really hard on winners and losers to not bring up Mando or little baby Yoda because you could kind of argue all of them. You know, they end up being the winners because they're the main characters. This is the episode, though, where I will play the Mando card because Mando does a really, really, really bad thing. And he goes out of his way and truly risks his life and his reputation and his legacy to save the day and to save little baby Yoda and I just think he's he's an absolute winner in this because he goes through such a character arc in this 30-ish minute episode. I just absolutely love it. It's wonderful storytelling. It's, you know, it's one of these moments where people want to put Star Wars in this box where it's just popcorn sci-fi. But Star Wars is obviously more than that because it's so important to people. Like, uh, I, you know, I OK, maybe I'm a little bit crazy, but like I, I'm, I'm a grown adult. I have kids and I, I still like I have a Star Wars cell phone case. I have Empire Strikes Back wallpaper on my on my desktop of my laptop. You know, and, and I, I I there's something about Star Wars that it's important and resonates. And I think that this episode taps into a, a very primal feeling. And it's this story about family and Mando recognizing that he needs family to 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 grow and be better. And so Mando's a big time winner in this episode. Losers. The client, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the client, he, he uh, gets ripped off. He gets robbed. He's going to be pretty upset. Grief Karga is definitely a loser just because he gets shot. Uh, I guess he's a winner because he doesn't die. <laughs> uh, the robot eye thing, you know, it's like in Jabba's palace and it comes out. And it's like uh, that thing just gets ripped to shreds. And uh, I, I love that. <laughs> and then finally, the Mandalorians of Navarro are unfortunately losers in this episode. Right. I mean. They go out guns blazing. It's an incredibly cool scene. We love it. But their way of life is going to change permanently as a result of this. And I think that that scene and then the fact that we have to deal with the fallout in later episodes really shows us how important loyalty is to the Mandalorian people. And I think it's a really great look at their culture and who they are as people. And I I like I love that. I like 10 out of 10 love that and the world building that that causes. So that's so wonderful. 
Uh, again, yeah, so sorry that this episode was late. Uh, moving forward, they're all going to continue to come out on Fridays. I, I just, you know, I, I lost my laptop charger and I just couldn't find it. And I'm, I'm so sorry for that. So thanks for bearing with me, friends. Uh, yeah, next week we're going to talk about episode four, uh, well, chapter four. And I'm, I'm super stoked. Uh, as always, if you want to support me on Patreon, you can. And if you do, you get access to bonus audio, including listen-alongs with every single episode. So if you want to watch this show and pretend like I'm sitting on your couch next to you talking too much, if you give me even $1 a month on Patreon, I, I will send you those files and we can watch this thing together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, if that sounds appealing, you probably are sick of my voice, but thank you so much. Uh, may the force be with you. Bye. <laughs>